You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We're in Joshua 14 tonight, and I'm very excited about the passage that we get to uh, study and look at. And I hope it'll be a help and a challenge to you as it has been to me. We're going to read verses 6 through 12. And uh, just for tonight, would you read with me? We'll read all uh, seven verses, 6 through 12, together in unison. Ready? Let's begin uh, Joshua 14, verse 6. Ready? Begin. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kizanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, and now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. I am this day forty score and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Tonight we draw our text from this powerful passage in the book of Joshua. And as we read this passage, we are entering into a conversation between two great men. We get to be a fly on the wall and listen in on what they're saying. We get a glimpse into their lives, their attitude, their desires. The first man, Joshua, is the leader of the nation of Israel. The second man is his companion. His name was Caleb. These men have been friends for decades. They have served God together. Uh, they have seen God do great things in their lives. Undoubtedly, these men began their lives as slaves in Egypt. They would have uh, been making bricks. They had no hope, no future, no possessions, no inheritance. Yet God miraculously reached down. He sent a deliverer and brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Tonight, if we're saved, we've experienced the same deliverance. We were born into bondage. We had no hope. We were slaves to sin. We had no future, no inheritance. Yet God in His great grace and mercy sent the great deliverer. 
He reached down, allowed us to hear the good news of the gospel. We were able to trust Christ as Savior, and now we're freed from sin, just like Joshua and Caleb were freed from Egypt. Not only would they have experienced great deliverance, but they also would have seen God do many miraculous things, these two men. Uh, they would have experienced the hand of God uh, bringing Moses into Egypt, and then God sent ten plagues on the nation of uh, Egypt uh, to uh, uh, soften the heart of Pharaoh. They would have uh, seen Pharaoh's heart harden, and they would have seen Pharaoh allow them to leave after the death angel passed upon the nation of Egypt. Uh, they would have seen uh, God part the Red Sea miraculously. They would have seen Pharaoh's chariots broken up. They would have seen uh, God send manna and quail. They would have seen as they walked miles and miles through the desert, God provide water. God allow them to see their clothes and their shoes just not wear out. They saw so many miraculous things from God. They were experiencing God's deliverance. They experienced God's miracles. And yet tonight, as we join in on their conversation, my attention is drawn to Caleb. As an 85-year-old man, he, after seeing God's goodness and provision, his victories, uh, the things that he had done in Caleb's life, Caleb approaches Joshua, and he says that they have fought, they have conquered so much of the land of Canaan together, they have seen God bring them into the promised land, but yet there was much left to be accomplished. The work was not done. And he comes to Joshua, Caleb does, and he comes as a volunteer. And he says, this seasoned man, Caleb says, sign me up. He said, give me that mountain. I want a job to do in the work of God. I want something to accomplish. In this statement, we see an attitude, we see a spirit, we see a drive, we see a demeanor, we see it's something that really could challenge each of us tonight if we were to think about it. If we were to mirror the attitude and the desire of Caleb in this day and hour, I believe it would revolutionize our church. If we were to mirror the life of Caleb, it would mobilize an army of men and ladies that would make a difference for the cause of Christ. Tonight I want to preach a simple message entitled, Sign me up, I want a mountain. Sign me up, I want a mountain. God, I pray that you'd help me as I try and deliver this truth that you've given to me. God, I pray that it would speak to our hearts, that we would be moved to action tonight is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin tonight, would you turn with me back to Numbers 13? And this is where we begin to see the life of Caleb in the pages of Scripture. Moses was given the job of leading the nation. And as they approached the promised land, Moses uh, is given the job of sending 12 spies to search the land of Canaan. Caleb is mentioned in verse 6 as he was chosen from the tribe of Judah to represent that tribe as one of the spies. The spies were sent into the land with one goal in mind. Their job was to see the land, uh, look over the people, see the resources, collect information, and report back about the land that God had already promised them. And so they were just simply to be messengers about what they were about to experience and inherit. Well, the 
uh, uh, spies went out for 40 days. And these 12 men went and they surveyed the land. Uh, we can see that uh, uh, throughout this chapter. Uh, they sp uh, spied throughout the land and they found uh, clusters of grapes that required two men to carry it. They found pomegranates. They found figs. They found that it was a land of plenty, a, man, a land of milk and honey. And yet, as the spies returned after 40 days of searching, they have to give a report. We find out that 10 of the spies gave a negative report. Two of the spies gave a positive report. Uh, Brother Manley, I was thinking about you this week. They wrote that children's song. Uh, Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad, two were good. What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad, two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes with clusters long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad, two were good. I can't think of how many times you would have sung that in your primary church. But these spies came, and the ten spies that are referenced in that song as being bad spies, they gave a report about the fruit of the land. They said, this is definitely a land with fruit. We can bring back it. Uh, we, we've brought you a report. We've brought visual evidence of the fruit of the land. But they also brought negativity. They brought criticism. They brought fear. They brought unbelief. Uh, the Bible says in verse 28 of Numbers 13, now that you're there, the Bible says that the ten spies said, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in that land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. And we see that they give a report based on fear. But then... Caleb, this great man, in verse 30, the Bible says he stilled the people. He said, hey, stop. Listen. That is a true report. There are giants in the land, and there are walled cities, but God has promised this land to us. And the Bible says in verse 30 that he said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Well, those... Two spies, Caleb and Joshua, they did their best. They gave a report that God was able. They gave the report of faith. They believed God. But as we go down to chapter 14, we see verse number one, all the congregation lifted up their voice and wept or and cried. And the people wept that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Uh, uh, we see these ten men turn the entire nation toward unbelief. And as a side note tonight, I want to give you this thought. It's very dangerous to be negative, critical, uh, pessimistic against the man of God, against the house of God, against the direction that God has set for his work. And you are sure to bring destruction on your life and the life of others if you have an attitude of unbelief and criticism. Well, the Israelites chose to go against God and go against uh, Moses and Caleb and their report of faith. And the Bible says that God said the people would not enter the promised land for 40 years. There was a delay. Due to Israel's lack of faith, an entire generation of men and ladies wandered in the wilderness 
And we can see that in verse 23. The Bible says, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and he hath, uh, hath uh, followed me fully, him will I bring into this land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. God delayed the entire nation from going into the promised land, but God promises to Joshua and Caleb that they'll live to pass into the promised land. If we were to fast forward now through that 40-year wandering period, we come to the book of Joshua. Joshua is a really exciting book of the Bible to study. It's one of conquest. It's one of progress. It's one where uh, things are happening for the work of God. And we see that uh, as Joshua, uh, uh, the book of Joshua begins, the people are once again right on the verge of crossing Jordan into the promised land. It's basically the same thing they experienced back in Numbers, but this time they believed God. And they cross the uh, Jordan River and enter the Canaan land. Uh, as we look at the beginning of Joshua, we see that uh, uh, Joshua leads the people and they conquer Jericho. And then they have the sin of Achan. And Achan's sin holds the nation back in conquering Ai. But then as we continue through the chapters, we see they conquer southern Canaan and northern Canaan. And turn with me to Joshua 13, because at this point in the book, there's like a pause. There's a, a summary of what has been accomplished and what is yet to come. Joshua 13.1 says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years. And here's where it gets exciting to me. It says, And there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Uh, despite all that had been accomplished in the first 12 chapters, uh, despite all the battles that had been fought, despite the victories that had been won, there was still a lot left to accomplish. And God had a, pro a, a purpose for these men and for a job for them to do. And yet, then we come to Joshua 14, where we find our text tonight. And in this text, with that in mind, knowing there's very much land left to be possessed, Joshua and Caleb come together, these two men, uh, seasoned men, aged men, and Caleb comes to Joshua with this request. He says, Joshua, you remember how God promised me this mountain back in the day, 40 years ago, and I want to possess it now. Give me that job. Give me that mountain. Give me that area to serve in. Give me that ministry to build. Give me that opportunity to see something done for God. Give me that avenue to lay up treasure and crowns in heaven. Give me that opportunity to see souls saved. Give me that opportunity to work and see God move his work forward. It's amazing to me as I study the history of North Valley Baptist Church, how it mirrors this passage. God has done so many wonderful things in this place. It is great just to survey and look back at the history and see God's blessings. Uh, it's amazing to see the labor of God's people, the sacrifice, the giving, uh, the victory that we've experienced. Yes, there have been setbacks, there have been difficulties, there have been obstacles, but yet it's evident that God's people have been used to accomplish much in these 47 years. The buses have brought 1.5 million riders. Churches have begun on mission fields all across the world. 
Uh, thousands and thousands of people have walked the aisle trusting Christ in, in our auditoriums. Uh, many uh, thousands more have been led to Christ out in the highways and hedges during soul winning times. Sunday school classes have been built and people have been grown spiritually. I see buildings have been built, ministries have been started, started, workers have been set out of this place and thrust into the gospel ministry all around the world. And God has done great and miraculous things here. But yet the same principle as Joshua 13.1 applies. We have seen God do great things, but there is much more land to possess. There's more doors to knock. There's more people to reach. There's more bus routes to build. There's more classes to be started. There's more buildings to be built. There's uh, more churches to start, more Bible college students to train, more Christian school students to see go through K through 12th grade and then sent into God's work. There's still much more to be accomplished. And so tonight I come to you, North Valley Baptist Church, with this request. Who's going to rise up and say, give me that mountain? Who's going to rise up and say, give me a job to do? Who's going to rise up and say, I want to serve God with my life in this day and hour and see something happen for God? Well, Caleb was so determined to get a mountain, to accomplish a task. But why was he so devoted? Let me give you three quick thoughts as prerequisites to why Caleb uh, wanted this mountain so bad. Why did he want, at an 85 years of age, to go and fight and conquer a mountain? Well, I've, I can very easily see three things that if we mirror these in our lives, we'll be effective servants. Number one, I can see Caleb's consecrated heart. As you survey the pages of Scripture and study Caleb's life, six different times the phrase is used to describe Caleb, this particular phrase. I wholly followed the Lord. I wholly followed the Lord. You can see it there in Joshua 14 and verse number 8. The Bible says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. You can also see it uh, just a, uh, one verse later as Moses spake, and it, it says, Because Thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Look down at verse number 14 at the end of the verse. It says that God gave him Hebron because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Tonight what we need is men and ladies that will have the same consecration. Caleb made a personal decision. I, 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 I will follow the Lord my God. Caleb was not looking to follow the crowd. His desire to conquer this mountain was not based on those around him. He had already been basically standing alone while the whole nation turned their back on God. But Caleb said, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm consecrated. I'm dedicated to the Lord. I'm going to serve God with my life. And he made a personal decision. I will be dedicated. He not only made a personal decision, but I see he made a complete consecration. I wholly, wholly that word means entirely, completely, perfectly. Uh, Caleb said, this is my entire life. It's not a sideline. It's not if I get around to it. It's not if I have time. This is what I want to do with my life. I want to follow the Lord completely. Uh, the book of Colossians says, when Christ, who is our life, and I remember you preached that message, Pastor. It's resonated in my heart these many years now. But Christ, K 
cannot be a sideline in our life. He cannot be uh, on, the, on the side. He must be the focus. And Caleb's focus was wholly on Christ. And then it says he followed the Lord. He, uh, the word follow means imitate or obey, observe, to do what is, is uh, practiced. He dedicated his purpose, and his purpose was following the Lord. And then lastly, he wholly followed the Lord. Now many today are wholly following different items. Many will wholly follow finances. Many will wholly follow themselves. Many will wholly follow pleasure or things that are uh, pleasing to them, relaxation or ease. But Caleb was willing to take the difficult path, the road less traveled, and follow the Lord. Number two, quickly, Caleb had consistent faith. Look down at verse 12. Now therefore give me this mountain. But look at the end of the verse. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. He believed God just as much in this passage as he did back in Numbers 13. He believed God could deliver them back in Numbers and still yet here in Joshua 14, Caleb says, I believe God can conquer this land and give us the victory. Oftentimes when we face difficulties or a setback or, or a delay, we suddenly lose our faith that God's purpose can be fulfilled in our lives. Uh, we become so weak. But yet Caleb didn't allow the setback of wandering in the wilderness, uh, that delay of 40 years where he wasn't able to accomplish God's purpose, uh, he didn't allow that delay to sideline and derail his faith in God. He said, God is still able, and I'm willing and so I'm going to continually have faith that God can conquer these people. Hebrews 3.19 says, So we see that they could not enter in, talking about the promised land, because of unbelief. But then in Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please God. So tonight Caleb was able to accomplish this great task because he believed that God was able to do something greater than himself. He had faith that God could use his life. Number one, we see that Caleb had a consecrated heart. Two, we see Caleb's consistent faith. And then last, we see Caleb's conquering spirit. I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord hath said. He said, this is a difficult job. I don't know if you've studied military uh, history or strategy, but mountains are generally not the easiest thing to conquer. Usually when you're in a military strategy, uh, planning meeting, you want the high ground. But Caleb was coming from down below up the mountain and he had to face difficulties with the geography, with the terrain. Not only that, but he had to face the Anakims. Now, the Anakims to us is just a name in the Bible, but if you look back at Numbers 13, the Anakims and the sons of Anak, those were the giants. Those were the men that caused the Israelites to have fear, to have unbelief, to say, we're the ones that are grasshoppers. They said, I don't think we'll ever be able to conquer the Promised Land because these sons of Anak are around. They're the giants. They're the enemies of God and his work. But Caleb said, hey, 
I don't care that this is a difficult situation with the terrain. I don't care that it's a difficult situation because we're facing an enemy that is bigger and stronger than us. Uh, I don't care the Bible says that the cities were great and fenced right there in verse 12. And, and, and Caleb said, I don't care that the enemy is great. I want to conquer something for God. I want to see something happen for God. Well, tonight, North Valley Baptist Church, if we were to incorporate those three traits, a, a consecrated heart, a consistent faith, and a conquering spirit, I think that we could see God do great things in this day and hour. There's so much land yet to possess. There's more work to be done, much to be accomplished. But I have to ask you tonight, what mountain are you going to conquer for God? What area of service are you going to plug yourself into? Uh, what are you, who are you going to reach? What spiritual gift are you going to exercise? Uh, who are you going to uh, use your life to impact? Uh, what area have you grown cold spiritually that you need to gain the victory in? Tonight, though you may have served in this church for decades, for years, I say that this is not the time to quit. This is not the time to step aside and cut back and, and see the work of God diminish, be like a Caleb and conquer and move forward in this day and hour of your life. What would happen if every member of this church attended? I mean, attended faithfully. Not every other week. Not every other month. Not on vacation ten times during the summer months. But you attended. You gave sacrificially. You prayed faithfully. You humbly followed the pastor. You found an area of service. And believe God could accomplish much in this day and hour. What if we had that mentality, that attitude, that drive, just like Caleb? Well, if we had that attitude, we would be saying, give me an area of service. Let me drive the bus. Let me be a bus worker. Let me be a bus mechanic. Let me vacuum the hallways. Let me wash the buses. Let me clean the dashboards. Let me be in the choir. Let me be in the orchestra. We would have the uh, attitude and the desire to be an usher, be a Sunday school teacher, to work in the junior church. There would be no shortage of workers if we had that type of an attitude. Tonight, there is no shortage of jobs in this ministry, in, in this work of God. But I can tell you there's a shortage of Caleb's. There's a shortage of people willing to volunteer and say, I'll wholly follow the Lord. There's a shortage of people willing to say, I'll allow God to use my life to make a difference. Tonight, the biggest cemetery in the country is where Christians' unused talents are buried. God is no respecter of persons, but he is a great respecter of surrender. Tonight, I'm coming to you with a simple question. Will you sign up and say, God, I'll serve you. I'll find an area. I'll be willing. Maybe the task will be menial. Maybe it'll be small. But in the Lord's work, there's no small job. Tonight, sign me up. Give me a mountain. Years ago, there was a convention happening in Indianapolis to discuss, and this was the topic, how to reach the masses. How to get them saved and involved in the work of God. One day during that convention, a young man stood on a box on a corner and began to preach. Yeah. 
he, he, crowds gathered, and it was mostly people coming home from work, and uh, these were working men. They were hungry. They were on their way home for supper. But they became electrified by the sermon. They forgot that they were tired. They forgot that they were hungry. They forgot where they were going. And the crowd began to, to just multiply and gather, and the crowd became very dense. They couldn't meet where they were meeting, where this man had just set up a box and started preaching, because the crowd became so great they had to move locations. So the, the crowd moved to what was called the Academy of Music. It was a large building. They followed the preacher down the street, and as they went, they were singing, and they filled the main floor of the Academy of Music, and they were sitting there with their lunch pails and uh, their work attire and, and all the things that they had brought with them on their way home. And he preached again with such power that they were moved to tears. Uh, they only were allowed to meet in this room, the Academy of Music, for but a few minutes because the How to Reach the Masses uh, uh, gathering had rented the auditorium. While the convention was out there discussing how to reach the masses, D.L. Moody was doing it. He said, I'm going to just stand up and preach. I'm going to stand up and do something with my life. We could talk about it. We could discuss it. Or we could go do something about it. And tonight we need a lot of people in this auditorium to raise the white flag of surrender and say, I'm willing to serve. Maybe I've served for many years. I'm going to rededicate myself to doing it with even more fervor and even more passion. I'm not going to cut back. I'm not going to uh, step onto the sidelines. I'm going to do more for God right now. And I'm going to see God's work move forward. Maybe you're a new Christian and you don't have an area of service. Tonight, would you dedicate your life to serving the King of Kings? God can use you. Though your talents be little, maybe very small, uh, we can use you in the work of God and God can use your life. Uh, there's that great song, I Want That Mountain. It's in our songbook, 438. I want that mountain, I want that mountain where the milk and honey grow, where the grapes of Eskel grow. I want that mountain, I want that mountain. Tonight, would you determine, would you sign up, would you put your uh, hand in the air and say, sign me up. I want a mountain, I want a place to serve. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.